Great. So I, I just want to start off by saying um, we, are, we are talking about sex. I know it's something that you may have heard. Uh, you may hear in school, you may hear friends talking about, you may joke about it. Um, we believe that this is an important conversation for us to have as well. And so we're going to be doing this the next four weeks, um, but it, it's, it's going to look a little different each week. Uh, this week we're talking about the fact that sex is powerful. Next week we're going to be talking about how technology is powerful. And we're also going to be talking about how confession is powerful and also how forgiveness is powerful. So um, that being said, um, the series is called None of Your Business, um, a series on the topic of sex. A while back, I asked someone how they were doing, and they said, Nunya. And I was like, huh. So I almost named the series Nunya, but I didn't. Um, I think that would have been pretty funny. Nunya, a series on the topic of sex. So anyway, um, I just want to begin first by saying have you ever had someone ask you something that was so personal, so private, and so completely not their business that you couldn't help but respond with the words, none of your business? Anyone been there? It's, it maybe, maybe someone asked you, maybe someone you barely knew asked you like who your crush was, or maybe you overheard someone, someone sharing a rumor at school that you knew like wasn't their, it wasn't their business to be sharing. Or maybe you, your sibling went through and read your text messages or your DMs. Definitely none of their business, right? Uh, kids sometimes don't know what is their business and what's not their business. I don't know if you, any of you guys have young siblings. But when I think of, like, of none of your business, I always think of kids because like, the other day, one of my nieces was like, that like anytime I have acne or like a zit on my face, they always ask why I have an owie on my face. I'm like, none of your business, kid. Leave me alone, right? Or like my wife is a nanny for twins. And she said the other day in the car, they just asked her, how much is your house worth? Um, they also were like, I'm, she, she'll have to verify it. Didn't they ask how much their parents pay you? Is that true? I couldn't remember. Okay, yeah. How much do my parents pay you, right? Those are some of the questions that you would answer with the response, none of your business. And over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about something that might make you want to say, like, it might make you want to say none of your business. As I bring this up, you might be thinking, whoa, that's none of your business. And honestly, um, it's something, I think the topic of sex is something that shouldn't be everybody's business, but it should be because it, because it is personal, it's private, and it's important. So we want to be careful who we talk to about. And while it shouldn't be everybody's business, it should be somebody's business, right? Even though it shouldn't be everybody's business, it should be somebody's business because it has the potential to be a really big deal in your life. Um, the topic of sex, um, as I said, we're going to be talking about it for four weeks. It's probably going to make you laugh. It'll make you cry. No, hopefully not make you cry. It might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, uh, but it's also going to definitely uh, make you think. That's, that's one of my hopes, is that it will also make you think. And the good news is that any of those responses are normal. Um, because let's just be honest, the topic of sex can be a little bit awkward. Uh, it feels almost like it should be off limits, like it should be nobody's business. And it definitely feels like something that we shouldn't be talking about 
like in mixed company in church sometimes. But here's the deal. I actually think and, and truly believe that church is one of the best and one of the best places to have this kind of conversation at. Church, I believe church should be the safest place in the world to talk about anything, including sex. That, and why, why do I think this is important? Because teenagers are definitely talking about it, thinking about it, joking about it, maybe even experimenting with it. And that's why we wanna give you a safe place to talk about your questions when it comes to sex. Because like I said, it doesn't have to be everybody's business but we do want it to be somebody's business. And it, it could be someone who's older and wiser. It could be someone that you trust. Um, maybe you're right now, you're sitting here thinking, I don't know, you guys didn't know this, but I can read minds. I know that some of you are sitting here and you're thinking, okay, okay, so we're talking about sex at church. Here it comes. It's the part where Luke tells me it's bad and sinful, that I'm too young to be talking about it, that I need to stay away from it. That's what some of you are thinking. And if you're thinking that right now, I totally understand why. Um, when it comes to talking about sex, a lot of people usually do one of two things. They either ignore the conversation at all costs, which isn't healthy or helpful, or they talk about it in a way that makes it seem really negative or bad, a way that makes it seem like you should feel awful for even wondering about it. And well, um, here's, what I want, here's, what I, here's what I know to be true about sex. What I know to be true about sex is that it's good. God created it and God made sex to be a good thing, uh, which means that God's, God's not embarrassed about it. He's not uncomfortable by, about it. He's not grossed out by it. It also means um, that when we have sexual thoughts, desires, questions, uh, that we're totally normal, right? That, that you are in good company. And that's part, having these questions and these thoughts um, these desires is actually a human experience because God, God made us to have these questions, to think about these things. Simply put, um, sex is something that God actually designed for us to experience. But here's where it gets a little bit confusing. If sex is designed by God and it's good, then why do we hear so many negative things about it? Uh, why do we feel weird or ashamed or scared to even ask about it sometimes? Why is that? Why does it make us uncomfortable? And what's the right way to talk about it, to think about it, and to treat it? Fortunately, the Bible actually has a lot to say about sex. You heard that right. The Bible has a lot to say on this topic. And the first time we get an idea of God's attitude towards sex is in the very beginning, like the first few pages of the Bible. It's in the book of Genesis. And we read, we read about sex in the very beginning in the creation of all things. Here's what it says. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God said, or then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. If you're confused right now and you're like, Luke, I don't see the word sex in that scripture, um, then I just wanna say that being fruitful and multiplying implies having kids. And if you don't know this yet, having kids involves having sex. So we see in the first few pages of the Bible that God created people and then he told them to have sex. That that was part of the original thing. God created people, he told them to have sex. And so here's what we can learn from this passage. Here's what we can learn from this passage. God invented sex and it was his plan from the very beginning 
There was nothing wrong or bad uh, or shameful about it. It wasn't sinful and it wasn't gross. It was a part of God's plan. In fact, as we read through the book of Genesis, we find an even bigger picture of God's plan for sex. So let's take a look. Genesis 2.25, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now we might feel awkward reading about that. Just reading that sentence is kind of, kind of awkward. But Adam and Eve felt no shame about their bodies. They weren't embarrassed at all. They felt no shame about their bodies and they felt no shame about sex. Um, that's really different from how we think about it today, right? So what happened? What happened with all of this? Why is it such an awkward topic? I think a lot has happened between then and now. Um, but one of the things was that there was fruit on a tree. God told Adam and Eve not to eat it. But guess what they did? They ate the fruit on the tree. They gave it a temptation and ate it anyway. And um, the way that they saw themselves, it says in the book of Genesis, the way they, they saw themselves actually changed. It says that Adam and Eve's eyes were opened, that they realized that they were naked and that they covered themselves up. And just like that, in an instant, um, the way that they viewed their bodies changed. And it's never been the same since for any of us. Um, but it doesn't mean that we're all doomed when it comes to how we view our own bodies or how we view sex. Uh, it means that we're always having to fight things. What it does mean is this. We're always having to fight things like shame and feeling uncomfortable when it comes to sex. And it also means that, that when we treat sex in our bodies in a way that, that doesn't follow God's plan for them, that there can be unintended consequences that aren't so great. But here's the thing. Back to this. God created sex and sex is good. And that means that, that when we use it in a way that God planned that it's a positive thing. Within the context of a marriage between a man and a woman, sex isn't shameful or wrong, it's how God, how God wanted it to be all along. So, uh, I think of it kind of like this. How many of you guys have a fireplace in your house? Okay, my people. I need to, I, how many of you guys have an automatic fireplace? I just love flipping a switch and being warm suddenly. Anyone in that same boat? I think I like a fireplace more than I like a hot tub. I just love being by a really cozy fireplace. I still remember at winter camp, how many of you guys were like cozied up by the fire like all winter camp? Anyone in here? Um, so um, maybe you've seen, maybe if you don't have a fireplace in your home, you can just have one, of, one like this instead. Check this out. Maybe you can just have a fireplace like this on your screen. Um, when a fire, I need to turn this down a little bit. It's getting hot. I need to turn this volume down. I'm burning up. So, um, when a fire is in a fireplace, it's contained and it's safe. We know how to take care of it. We know what it's supposed to do. It provides great things, right? Like warmth from the cold. That happened for many of you guys at, at winter camp. You got to warm up after building an epic snow fort or throwing snowballs. And um, it provides like a, per a way to make a perfect s'more. Uh, it's a source of light when the power goes out. Pretty great, right? Fires are legit. Uh, and that's because they are contained in a fireplace in your home. It's the way that it was designed to be. But what happens when a fireplace, when a fire starts and it's, 
and accidentally in your house and it's no longer in a fireplace like this. What happens when a fire um, starts outside of a fireplace? Things get dangerous really quick, right? When a fire rages throughout the home, it's totally unpredictable. Um, it, it has the potential to leave damage and, and pain in its wake. And there's so many, so many negative results when it goes outside of its safety of the fireplace. So that's what happens when it, when it stops being used the way that it was meant to, the way that it was intended to be used. Outside of God's plan, um, sex can impact your life in the same way. It can get out of control really quickly and be totally unpredictable. It can cause a lot of pain for yourself and for others, both immediately, like right in the moment, and also in the future. And it can result in outcomes that you didn't imagine or intend. Things that you hadn't, hadn't really seen coming. coming. It can, these consequences can hurt us physically, actually physically, like sexually transmitted infections. They can hurt us emotionally, right? Like making us feel that our worth is attached to things like sex. Um, here's the thing. Don't forget that God invented sex and it's good. It was created for, for, um, for a man and a woman who have, a, have committed their lives together in the context of marriage. Um, so let's read one more passage from Genesis to get a little more insight into, into, how, into how God created sex. So Genesis 2.24 says this. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Here we read that sex is powerful, right? So powerful. So sex is good, but also sex is powerful. And um, it's so powerful that a man is to be joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. And this doesn't just mean this doesn't just mean physically combined as one, but actually emotionally, mentally, spiritually, in every way they are, they are joined as one. You're joining yourself to another person in every way possible, right? This is, this is a pretty powerful thing. As much as our society or our culture would like to say that, that it's just biology, it's no big deal, we know, we know science is now proving that it actually connects you to another person in all of these different ways. And that's a very powerful thing. You see, there's a power when two people join as one. Um, and this power can result in either really good things or really negative consequences. It all depends on the context. Uh, when sex occurs in the right context, it has incredible power to do good. And just like a fire, when it takes place outside of, a, outside of the context it was intended for, it can do a lot of damage. It, can, it has the power to negatively impact you and others, just like a fire that rages through your home. So you see both of, these are the two things we're talking about tonight is this, that sex is good and it's also very powerful. Uh, maybe you know this because you've seen it. You've experienced the physical, spiritual, and emotional hurt that comes from sex outside of God's plan. And maybe you've seen it ruin your relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or maybe you've seen it damage relationships with friends or between your parents, or even between you and God. Or maybe you, you've been sexually abused or harassed and it's left you feeling all kinds of things that you know God doesn't want you to experience. Let me just pause right here and tell you that if you've been mistreated sexually, it's not your fault. God didn't intend, to you, intend for you to be hurt this way and, that it, and it's not his plan for sex. He loves you and doesn't judge you and he wants what's best for your life. 
And if that's you tonight, I want to encourage you to speak to your small group leader to help you navigate through your experience. Now, maybe you haven't experienced the emotional or the spiritual, the physical effects that sex has outside of marriage, the, the, the negative effects that I've talked about. Uh, maybe you're thinking, yeah, whatever, Luke, you said that there's negative consequences, but I haven't experienced that yet. Me and my friends have been experimenting with it. And things that, that are outside of the context that you're talking about and uh, those consequences that you keep talking about are, aren't really happening in my life. Um, and here's what I'll say is you may not have seen the impact yet, but trust me when I tell you that the potential for negative impact is there. Sex is so powerful that even when you can't see the consequences of using it outside of God's plan, um, you, even if you don't see them for years to come, they're still going to be there. The emotional Spiritual and physical impact can last a lifetime and those hurts can affect your current and future relationships in lots of negative ways. They have the potential to bring pain into the most important relationships in your life. But pain isn't, isn't what God wants for you in any of your area of your life, but especially when it comes to sex. God has a plan for your life and it's a good plan. And when we trust in and follow his design for all, of our, for all of our lives, including sex, we know that we're using the things that he created for us in the best way possible. So, again, I want to say it. Sex is good. Sex is powerful. And I believe that that's true. And I want you to believe that it's true, too. Uh, and so, um, we're going to help. We, we want to start nav. I just want to help, help you to start navigating in this topic in a way that's good and good for you. And here are two things I hope that you'll be thinking about this week. I hope you'll be thinking about these two things. First one being who can I talk to about sex? We want each, each of you in this room to, to develop a healthy attitude towards sex. We want to give you a place to talk about it with people who really care about you. It's a, it's a conversation for you um, to have with someone that you're really close with, right? Like I said in the beginning, this isn't something, it's none of, it shouldn't be everybody's business, but it should be somebody's business. Um, find someone who loves you, who wants what's best for you, and who will encourage you in this particular um, area of your life. Somebody like your small group leader, or maybe a trusted parent, or uh, a reliable o older sibling, um, and then I would say, secondly, be brave enough to start talking. I understand that this, the topic of sex isn't going to be easy, and no matter where you're coming from in this topic, right? No matter where you land when it comes to this topic, it probably feels like a conversation with somebody would be awkward or uncomfortable or embarrassing. But when you take the brave step to talk to the right person, um, then it doesn't have to be these things. It, when you talk to someone with wisdom who you're not afraid to be honest with, they'll be able to start answering your questions. And it might be awkward sometimes, it probably will, but my hope for you is that you'd be able, like maybe, to have, maybe you'll have a few laughs about it, but that eventually you'll be able to push past the awkwardness and be able to have some serious conversations with a reliable person. Um, because we believe that these kinds of conversations are so important. Believe it or not, um, we want you to experience everything that God has created and designed for you to enjoy when it comes to this topic. But we also know, we also know that in order to live a life that God has for each of us, we've got to pay attention to what God says about it. We have to remember that sex is good and that it's powerful. So 
We did it, you guys. We made it through week one. We conquered the first sex conversation at youth group. The first sex, this first sex sermon. Give yourself a big round of applause. Um, thank you guys. Thank you guys for choosing to stick this conversation out with me. And I just want to encourage you to, to keep coming back for this conversation. We're, we have a lot of really important things to continue to unpack together. And as you head to small group this, as you head to small group this evening, um, would you consider this question? Who is one trusted person you can talk to when it comes to sex? You guys are dismissed. Go ahead and start heading to small groups.